Welcome to Modern Career. I'll be your host, Mary Humiston. Whether you're thinking about changing, advancing, or reinventing your career, we want to help you live your full potential. Modern Career is an all-encompassing resource to help you on your path to career success, however you define it. In each episode, I'll cover work and career topics, leveraging my HR leadership expertise, and through interviews with other experts and professionals from around the world. The world of work and careers today is different than ever before, and we want to help you navigate it. Subscribe today and visit modern-career.com for blog posts, pointers, and career stories. Welcome to our discussion on staying resilient in challenging times. Hi, everyone. It's a joy and an honor to talk with you about this really important topic. Today, we'll explore resilience. What is it? Why does it matter? What are the top tips for building our resilience as we navigate through our work and career journey and through these really incredibly challenging times? We hope that you'll find some motivation and maybe a few nuggets of inspiration to maintain and improve your resilience. I'll facilitate our conversation, sharing a little bit from my expertise as a top HR leader in companies that went through some very turbulent times and transformations where resilience, as you can imagine, was critical. Joining me today are two guests, Tara Herrick-Brown. Tara is a writer, speaker, and teaches on various aspects of mindfulness as it relates to one's health and well-being. She holds a master's degree in psychology from Portland State University and has conducted research at the National University of Natural Medicine. She has particular expertise in the impact of emotional wellness on resiliency in life and work, and she currently resides in New York. Also joining us is David Giannini. David is a personal fitness and nutrition coach and trainer at Equinox in LA. David is certified through the National Academy of Sports Medicine with specializations in corrective exercise and nutrition. And he also has a background in teaching martial arts and yoga, in which he uses to promote functional movement and sustain strength. Thank you both very much for joining us in this discussion today. Thank you so much for having me, Mary. Thank you so much. Let me start with a little bit of background before we all jump in. Just set the stage a little. Personal resilience. What is it and why does it matter? Resilience is really our ability to adapt and change through difficult times. And of course, these are incredibly difficult times. And yet in the span of our entire work and life journeys, there will be highs and there will be lows. And there'll be this ongoing need for resiliency. So what we're talking about today, it not only matters now, but it really matters over the long haul. Our resilience can be physical, mental, or relational. Physical is that need to feel secure, safe, and healthy. Mental emotional is having psychological resilience to adapt and thrive. And relational is that feeling of connectedness and belonging. So why does resilience matter for our work and our career? It really matters a lot. I think of resilience as the fuel in our tank to navigate a lifelong work and career journey. So the lower the tank, the harder it is. And if we run out of fuel, we burn out. I think we've all experienced what it feels like to have a full tank and to feel 
really great and when the tank is really low and that sense of burn. Resilience really helps us reach our goals. And don't we all want to work for companies and leaders who help us fill our tank and be resilient in ordinary times and especially in challenging times? Personal resilience, they're the tools and the techniques that we all use that help us deal with challenges at work or at home to bounce back from that and to thrive. There's a book we call out on our website, Modern Career, called The Resilience Advantage. And it says that a resilience advantage is our ability to effectively plan for, navigate successfully, and gracefully recover from challenging and stressful events in such a way that we're strengthened by the experience. So it's not a bounce back, but a bounce forward, which is awesome. And with that in mind, and through a lot of research, we have called it down to what we want to talk about today, the top 10 most important factors for personal resilience. Some are more physical, which David will take the lead on, and some are more emotional, relational, which Tara will lead on as we discuss these together. They all interrelate and they all matter. So let's start with the first one. The first important factor for resilience is routine. David, tell us about that. That's right. And I think this one particularly is one of the more important things that we can stress, not only in our nine to five day jobs or whatever your career might be, but also in times of duress, something like pandemic or even unemployment. Establishing and maintaining a routine really allows you to take control and set the tone for your day. The simple act of creating a routine and adhering to those healthy habits that you have alleviates symptoms of anxiety. It allows the mind and the body to fall into this kind of rhythm so that you don't always have to be reaching for the next thing. And as you move through that routine, you're really afforded the opportunity to prioritize the tasks that you have to set up for the rest of your day. Routines keep us on track, obviously, like I mentioned a little bit earlier in our day-to-day lives, but they're even more important in times of duress. It's so important to wake up and really take the time to find your center and ground yourself so that you're not rolling out of bed five minutes before the Zoom meeting that you have. And that might be leaving you anxious, maybe feeling a little bit unproductive and susceptible to other unhealthy habits like skipping a meal or opting for something that's not necessarily as healthy. Having a set structure also really allows you to help develop relationships, particularly in times of self-isolation. It really allows you to really sit down and check in with the people who are in your immediate surroundings. If that's your roommate, if that's your partner, your family, you can have a meal with them and really check in and make sure they're doing all right or reaching out to a close friend if you have to set up a time on FaceTime that you want to connect with them. I'm incredibly fortunate in that I have my own built-in routine. I have a little dog who wakes me up every day at the same time and demands to be taken out. And that's kind of translated into a 30 to 45 minute walk with my partner. And we are really able to touch base with each other before we do the rest of our day. We get into everything else. And while these times are incredibly difficult, I think it's really, really important to recognize that we've been afforded this incredible opportunity to really invest in things that might have scared us, like something that we might think, I have no business doing that, like meditation or mindful breathing. A lot of people will balk at that because they think, oh, that's kind of hippy dippy or stuff, but maybe in the back of their mind, they're thinking I could really benefit from this because I read so many articles and studies about these things that are benefiting these people. And I mean, there are plenty of CEOs and 
people like Oprah who practice transcendental meditation on a daily basis. And there's so many things that we can really take the time to invest in right now and start incorporating into our routine so that once we get back into that nine to five schedule, all of those things will kind of come with us and we're really able to transition back easily. And David, if I may, the idea of setting an intention when you're trying to get that routine started, I find that so beneficial. Like if I'm ready to start a new exercise routine or tomorrow I'm going to start and I'm going to wake up and meditate. If I can really set that intention the night before, that sets my expectation for what the next day might bring. Absolutely. I think it also helps tremendously with all these new challenges of remote working and working from home, these boundaries, you know, they can get blurred. So having that routine takes that strain, as you say, off decision-making and it can help you have the balance of work and your broader personal life. David, you mentioned a couple, but what might be some behaviors to avoid that routine can also help with? I think that a lot of people fall into like the trap of waking up pretty late. Another one is waking up and immediately checking your social media or reading the news media and really spending hours or any given amount of time just kind of idly scrolling through these. And I've already kind of spoken to skipping a meal entirely or just grabbing a highly processed snack, but it's easy to fall into those kinds of traps. So really finding a way to carve out that time for yourself and finding something that's only you in that moment centering yourself. And in regard to the social media and news media, that can be really, really difficult, especially with people who are living and they're working in the political sphere or in journalism or what have you. Obviously, there are certain career paths that these people need to wake up and they need to engage immediately with their boss, with their deadline, whatever it might be. But really, like I mentioned before, really taking the time to carve out that time for yourself, center yourself, ground yourself. It just promotes longevity in the long term. I mean, you're really, like we mentioned earlier, going to burn out. (laughs) Completely (laughs) agree. (laughs) (laughs) So routine is key to our resilience. And let's talk about number two. Number two is exercise matters. Absolutely. Exercise is critical. And obviously, as a personal trainer, I'm always going to advocate for engaging in some kind of physical activity on a daily basis. But I think that a lot of people find enjoyment in that as well. So I don't necessarily need to be yelling at you to get outside or do a couple of push-ups or what have you. Not only that, though, but I think it's really important to know that regular exercise helps combat the development of chronic diseases like obesity, high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, all of these symptoms of anxiety, depression. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I always encourage people to dedicate a minimum of 20 minutes out of their day to engage in some kind of low intensity exercise, whether that's taking a walk around your neighborhood or taking the dog for a light jog or what have you. And then supplementing that with three to four days of a more moderate or intense exercise. And that's where your body weight and body weight exercises and your resistance work, cardio, balance and proprioceptive work and the stretching comes into play. And obviously with exercise, you're really going to reap the benefit of the energy that you put in. So like with anything, the more time and energy that you're putting into something, the more you are going to get out of that. And that is pushed even farther when we add nutrition into that. So if you spend a little bit more time in the gym, you're really going to see your nutrition and fitness goals escalating a little bit quicker. I think while people primarily focus on the physical benefits of regular exercise, we can't discount the mental and emotional benefits as well. 
in that regular exercise has been proven to increase the production of endorphins, which help boost your mood. And regular aerobic exercise or prolonged bouts of exercise, that's your jogging or your lap swimming or what have you, has been shown to reduce stress and even improve your sleep quality. So committing to an exercise program at the moment obviously can be incredibly, incredibly difficult just because all of the gyms in our area are closed, what have you. We don't have access to enough equipment in our home, but we are living in an incredibly connected time in which we have so many trainers like myself or your favorite group fitness instructor who works at the studio down the street from you who are providing online classes or checking in with you and providing online sessions so that you can really maintain your progress even when you're outside of the gym. And this can be a great tool even when you're back in that nine to five again and you have to go on your business trip and you have to travel across the country and you might not be able to get into the gym. So having somebody that you are able to check in with and who's able to push you is an incredibly valuable resource, which we've been afforded. And obviously there are YouTube and Instagram as well. And those are great, great resources in finding ideas to plan your workout. Though I'm obviously always going to recommend that you are going to turn to a professional, especially when you're starting out, just so that you have someone who's checking in with you to make sure that your form is correct, that you're not doing anything incorrectly, and that they can accurately and appropriately progress and regress the exercises to prevent any injuries. And and provide some motivation. We're fun people to hang out with. <laughs> but it's easy to keep pushing off exercise until the next day or the diet starts tomorrow. But working with someone who pushes you to that end, it might not be a trainer. It might just be your fitness savvy friend. It might be your best friend. It might be your mom. But I think right now, finding that person who is able to get you off the couch and get you moving is so incredibly vital. I think it's important to remember too, and you mentioned the endorphins, just really how emotionally centered and connected we can feel when we get that oxygen to the brain. And so we're better able to hand all the stress of the external stimuli right now, whether it's your coworkers on Zoom or it's the delivery person or it's the kids running around the house, really being able to be in that space with more oxygen in the brain can really help us be more present people. I really agree. I've been trying to get out myself and walk every day. So it's a simple thing. doesn't require much to just get out and walk. And I'm listening to great music as I do. And I can see how much more energized and stronger that makes me feel, which is resilience. And I was reading recently, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who's 87 years old, is still maintaining her twice weekly workout. (laughs) And I think that's quite inspiring. So if she can, we all can. David, tell us about the all important number three, which is nutrition matters. I really cannot underline the importance of nutrition enough. And especially right now when immune health is absolutely vital and taking charge of what we're putting into our bodies is really, really going to help that. So if you're filling your diets with something like dark leafy greens, like the kale or collard greens that we might have, in your fridge or citrus fruits, nuts, seeds, root vegetables. All of these are really great ingredients to start incorporating into our diets to keep up our immune health. I've found myself making a lot of stews and soups from home because you're really able to take control of all of the ingredients that you're putting into it. And making a meal in bulk like that leaves you healthy options throughout the day so that when you feel like grabbing that bag of potato chips, you have something that's a little bit more sustaining and a little bit more, it can satiate you a little bit more so that you are able to curb those cravings. And to that point, I think it's really easy to idly snack 
a lot of people are in the house right now. So focusing on portion control and opting for your fruits and your vegetables or other alternatives is really, really important so that we're not reaching for those calorie dense snacks that can kind of throw us off. And this is such a good tip, not just for the times that we're in, but it's such a good tip for all the time. And working from home and remote working is something a lot of us have done and will continue to do. So these are really good tips. Yeah, absolutely. You had said once you can't, how does it go? You can't out train. You can't out train a bad diet. So it's easy to idly snack while we're working from home, but really focusing on portion control and opting for the fruits and vegetables or other healthy alternatives to the calorie dense processed snacks that might be in our house. It's really going to keep us on top of managing our weight, especially in quarantine. But once we return to our nine to five again, because we know that there are unhealthy snacks in our office kitchen as well. And I think that another pitfall that a lot of people will be falling into is skipping meals entirely. And that just leaves us with cravings that we tend to fill with those empty calories again. And these don't actually satiate us. So once we go for that bag of chips, we're eating more of it because we're not full. And skipping a meal can leave us completely out of touch with the diet that we've set in place for ourselves. So really opting for that balanced and moderately portioned meal throughout the day really keeps up your blood glucose levels and your energy levels as well and keeps us sustained. And I think it's also important to remember that it definitely speaks to our physical health, but our brain and our GI system are so intimately related that this is such a key component for our emotional health as well. So in order for us to maintain our presence of mind and our emotional centeredness, nutrition is right up there. I agree. And I think this is a key one, not just for the times that we're in, but ongoing. And I think many people worked from home and were telecommuting prior, and and that certainly will be more of a trend going forward. So you're closer to the kitchen and the pantry or the, the temptations are different, I think, I found, than being in the office. I've also found maintaining a food journal helpful because would you look at that when you write down and you have to face what you might forget about or you might not be consciously thinking about. I've also, I don't know if you mentioned it, but I've been trying to hydrate a lot too. I don't know if it falls under the nutrition, but paying attention to really drinking as much water as we can. Thoughts on that, David? I think that water is often overlooked as well because especially when you're getting up in the morning and you're feeling a little bit groggy, people are reaching for that coffee cup and not necessarily realizing that the thing that's going to really wake you up and make you feel refreshed is that water. Most of our cells, about half of our body weight is built up of water. So really taking the time to hydrate properly and making sure that we are dehydrated really promotes proper cell function and movement and cognition throughout the day. Totally agree. So clearly nutrition is so important for resilience. And number four, tell us about number four for resilience is sleep. So, so vital. And I think it is possibly one of the most overlooked factors that we have here. Obviously, we all have it ingrained in ourselves that we need to get our eight hours. We've been hearing it forever. The CDC does recommend getting for adults to get seven to nine hours of sleep per day. And getting an adequate amount of sleep is linked to improved cognition, coordination, and reduces symptoms of depression and anxiety. On top of that, sleep deprivation is often really affecting our diet. So when we are in that deprived state, we often turn to foods and beverages to make up for those low energy levels, which increases our daily caloric intake. And if we pair that caloric intake that's increased with not enough exercise, 
we're inevitably left with weight gain, which is a big, big problem right now when we're all sitting at home. And getting to a more cellular level, sleep deprivation has been linked to altered levels in hormones, particularly the ones that regulate our appetite, like leptin and ghrelin, which work as an appetite suppressant and stimulant, respectively. I attended a symposium recently on sleep health, and the scientists are presenting it as sleep hygiene now. So just as there was such a big public health push with dental hygiene and really got us to brush twice a day and think about brushing for three minutes. And just like you mentioned, the seven to nine hours a day, we know the amount of time. But I think it's also important to remember the place that we sleep. Save the TV for the den, save the work for the office. They say that the bedroom is only good for two things and one is sleep. And so we have to really remember that to find the proper place, we brush our teeth in our bathroom, we sleep in our bedroom, we work in our office. So I think really incorporating our sleep in this concept of sleep hygiene can really begin changing the perspective of needing to be more mindful about how we're getting that rest and how we're rejuvenating our bodies. I really agree. And you know, well, there's such a sleep deficit in the first place, but under stressful times, getting to sleep, staying asleep can seem harder. What are your thoughts on that? Particularly right now, it can be very, very difficult to fall asleep with the amount of uncertainty in our daily lives. And I'll typically advise my clients to engage in simple breathing exercises, really focusing on that deep diaphragmatic breath, or even just imagining yourself walking through nature to help relax the mind. And it's not necessarily as, and I'll use air quotes here, because it's not as active as doing something like counting sheep. Well, that's actually perfect because it takes us to number five for resilience, and that's nature matters. And this is wonderful because absolutely I love being outside in nature. I think that a lot of the time nature and exercise do go hand in hand, but spending any amount of time really opens up the opportunity for you to get a healthy dose of vitamin D, which is really, really beneficial in elevating our mood and reducing anxiety. If you can even get into your backyard or just taking a nice walk through a local park, taking a hike in the mountains or going for a jog, anything that you can really do to get out of the house and really connect to the larger world as a whole and not necessarily feel so isolated and feeling those symptoms of cabin fever that we all might be feeling right now. And there's some research conducted by Kuo and Taylor, and it shows that our stress levels fall within minutes of seeing green spaces. So that really speaks to the importance of spending time outdoors and how much that can contribute to our emotional presence and development. I totally agree. That's why I'm going for my <laughs> daily walk. Of course, David's in LA. It might be a little greener than it is here right now. Excellent. Tara, tell us about number six, as this one helps all the other areas as well. And that's breathing and mindfulness matter. I love the connection with nature because there's this beautiful Buddhist saying that we cannot breathe without the trees. As the trees exhale, we inhale. And so it really shows that connection with nature and why it's so beneficial for us. So without mindful awareness, we tend to feel more stressed, often resulting in more reactiveness. So whether it's 
at home with a spouse or in the office with a coworker, if we can really practice the pause between the stimulus and response. So what I mean by that, if someone says something to you and you're used to this sort of gut reaction, this quick, we sometimes speak from irritation. We sometimes react. And so I really suggest practicing the pause between the stimulus and a response. There's a moment. And in the moment, I suggest people practice the pause. And so what comes out is a mindful response rather than an innate reaction that we've often just been scripted to speak. I think it's also really important to be mindful of the way that we speak. So often we say, I am angry, I am frustrated, I am stressed, I am overweight. Anytime we hear that I am, we're really identifying with something that's not our truth. So when you recognize that you're in that I am state, I just encourage people to move more into what the truth is. And the truth is I'm experiencing a feeling of. When we move through this recognition that it's simply an experience rather than an identification with I am, we depersonalize it. When we get into those I am moments and we identify it, I am angry, right? We're going to move through the world in this angry way. But if you simply are in a mindful place to say, oh, wow, I'm experiencing some anger right now, you can allow it to flow through you just as a cloud would float past in the sky. It's not who you are. And that's what mindfulness is really about. It's about recognizing that you're more than your emotion. You're more than your reaction. And that's why practicing the pause is so important. And that's why mindfulness is so important. And so right now, people are in these spaces where they're feeling a lot of very deep feelings. With my clients, I'm hearing each one of them, as we're social distancing and we're in our homes right now, that they're experiencing some rather deep and dark emotions. And what I'm hearing in these different stories is they're experiencing the depths of the emotions in their own extremes. So their story is very different than my story and it's very different than your story. But this moment in time is pushing us to feel to the depths of our extremes. And sometimes people feel very scared to experience those feelings. And so I would just simply encourage them to feel even deeper. Often it's our fear of the feeling which is worse than simply experiencing it. And so I encourage people, even though they may feel scared to look at that feeling of anger or that feeling of aloneness, I encourage them to feel through it because moving through it is gonna be easier than experiencing the perpetual fear of it. So everybody's feeling this challenge to be still right now, to be in their homes, to be in this quieter place. We're so used to rushing around and avoiding our stillness, to be honest. So this is really that time, whether you've been practicing meditation for years or you simply sit up in your bed in the morning and you take five deep breaths. Either way, you're gonna find that point of stillness and that's what's gonna get you through. That is what's going to really tap into your resilience. We often say that we don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to sit and breathe. But the truth is when you're in your own presence of mind, 
you create more time because you're more present for the tasks at hand. Tara, a lot of professionals would like to embrace a more mindful way of living or maybe would like to try meditation or new to meditation. Do you have any advice on where to start? And also, do you think it's easiest to start maybe with a class if you were specifically talking about meditation or a guided app so someone could lead you through it? Or what are your thoughts on that? One of the most important saying, especially in a Buddhist meditation, is as I breathe in, I am breathing in. And as I breathe out, I am breathing out. It's that mindful awareness of your breath. So that's a very easy place to start. If you choose to try those five breaths in the morning, for example, you simply say to yourself, as I breathe in, I am breathing in. As I breathe out, I am breathing out. I think another really important opportunity right now is so much has moved online. Just as David said, there's so many personal trainers getting online. There are so many wonderful online opportunities. So if you check out your local yoga studio, they're probably online right now teaching yoga and meditation virtually. There's also a lot of wonderful resources. I have a resources page on my website that you could check out that has a lot of teachers. So I think that finding a teacher that really speaks to you. There are a thousand different forms of meditation. There are a million different teachers. And the reason that we have all these various forms and all these various teachers is because you want to find the one that speaks to you. So really finding somebody that can speak your language, that meditates in a form that connects with you, that resonates with you, that's my number one recommendation. And There are so many wonderful meditation apps. My favorite is called Insight Timer. That's one that you can check out. It's free and you can just set a time. And the beauty of that is when your meditation is over, let's say you set it for five minutes or 30 minutes or an hour. Regardless of the time you set, there's just one beautiful chime of a bell at the end and then the music continues. So if you're in your deep state or if you're in a relaxed state or you thought, wow, I can do this longer than I thought, the music's going to continue. It's not going to be like setting an alarm on your phone and jolting you out of that meditation. So Insight Timer is the one I love, but I know that there are many more. Love that. Let's go to number seven, and that is connectedness is key to our resilience. We are biologically and spiritually wired to love be loved and belong. So the fact that we're in this place right now, and many of us are seeking deeper connections that we just physically can't have right now. So that's why you're seeing this rise in Zoom happy hours and such. But there's also the professionals that are just Zoomed out. They just need a break from the technology. So I encourage people to just like do the old fashioned pick up the phone and call. I think that sometimes can allow them to feel emotionally connected by hearing the voice of that loved one, that friend. So I think still reaching out, but be truthful with yourself. If you feel tired, if you feel exhausted, if you feel over technology, then leave it out and you're going to have a better time connecting when you're in your own truth. I really love that. I think also connection is such an important part of our work lives and our career. 
so many colleagues have reached out to me and I've reached out to them, people I've known from the beginning of my career and throughout my career, and we've connected and we've stayed connected. And I think these professional relationships are so important. They're important. The good times are important and the tough times, and they really help you and you help each other along the way. I've also found it's so important to surround yourself, especially in these kind of times with people who fill you up. We talked about that tank of gas who enable you, who put energy in the tank and to sort of gravitate towards that as much as possible when times are stressful. Let's go to number eight. And number eight is service to others, which can really build our resilience. We need to remember to check in with our neighbors and our loved ones and ask if they have enough food and toilet paper, if there's something that we can drop off on the porch. Can I ration some of what I have to share with others? We are one. We're a system. And so many other countries have figured that out. And we're, I think right now, kind of getting up to speed. I have heard people talk about not ever speaking to the neighbors in the 10 years they lived in their home. And now they're finally talking across the lawns. I think we're really finding that need to be in connection with others. And to be in service is really just about checking in with them. So there's things that our hearts want to do, and yet we know it's not the time for it. So we have to find other ways to be in service to others. And it's really my hope that this new normal that is coming out of this time of quiet will really allow us to change our lens, will really allow us to change that perspective of what's best for me right now to maybe begin thinking about what's best for my community right now. So we just have to remember that there's a reason for this time. We can't know what it is. We can't know the deeper truth of this. But if we can learn from it right now, if we can take those challenging parts, but also take those parts that we're actually really loving, like connecting with the neighbors, like being more in our stillness. It's really my hope that we're going to be able to carry that forward when we come out of this and we create a new normal. Excellent. And take us to number nine. That's gratitude enriches our resilience. I think gratitude is essential. We often get stuck in all that we don't have right now, all that we don't have and all that's missing from this old life we used to have. And I think if we get stuck in that negativity, it's going to pull us down. And I think in order to be resilient, it's digging deep. It's finding those aspects within ourselves that we can pull up and we can pull forward. And I think finding the little things like feeling grateful that we have clean water coming from our faucet, having food on the table. It's important to just find gratitude for those little things. I totally agree. And I think you're right. There is a lot of loss right now. And there is a lot of gain. That's the bouncing forward part. I think just recognizing, to your point, the small things, and they can be really simple. I've tried lately to log some things. And if anyone's ever considered starting a gratitude log, I would highly recommend it. It's just writing down a couple things every day. They don't have to be big things. It's the few things that you are really grateful for. I've seen it in the workplace. I've seen teams and I've seen managers who bring that right into 
calls and meetings and they start a conversation with just sharing. And not everyone has to, and it's not mandatory, and it's done in a very authentic way. Not everyone shares, but it's very inspiring to hear what others share. And you think, gosh, yeah, those are things I might not have thought of that I'm really, really profoundly grateful for. It's absolutely essential to our well-being as well. And let's go to number 10. And number 10 is kindness to yourself matters a lot. This is definitely a time for us to take things more slowly with patience and have compassion for ourselves and for others. The most successful people are the people who are kind to themselves. And it makes a lot of sense because if we're hard on ourselves, we're really less likely to be supportive and empathetic as a colleague, as a friend, as a manager. And there is a saying, if you can't go outside, which we are limited, go inside. And that's the opportunity to just keep listening and responding to our needs, and they're going to change. And it's a great time for us to just get to better know ourselves. That know is one of the most important foundational aspects of a successful work and career journey. And it's time for us to explore some of those really big questions that sometimes we put off about our purpose, about our meaning, about what's next. And we've talked through the whole conversation about self-care, which is key. So we talked about sleep and nutrition and exercise. This is also our opportunity to be really kind in taking care of ourselves with whatever works for us. There's a professor of leadership at Northwestern's Kellogg School of Management. He's also a former CEO, Harry Kramer, who's done a lot of research on being kind to yourself. And he suggests using a mantra when you're feeling particularly stressed, he suggests You're going to do the right thing, and you're going to do the best you can. I've often used a bit of, I guess, if I think about it, one where I say to myself, you've got this, or I say, you're doing the best you can. So he really said that it's been proven to work. If you, whatever works for you, you repeat it over and over. It's like being a self-coach, and it takes that worry or that anxiety and that stress down. It significantly reduces it. Before we close, Tara and David, I'd love to ask you, is there one of the resilience top 10 that you are particularly focused on at the moment? What might you share? Tara, how about you? For me, I was really inspired by David talking about exercise. So I've got a lot of these in my everyday, but my exercise is falling off. So I thank you, David, for your inspiration. And I think I'm going to go on a run. Well, good. I'm glad. David, how about you? For me, I think the last point actually really resonated with me and kindness to yourself. I really fall into the trap of basing my worth on my productivity and in a time where everybody is a little bit more idle. I mean, even though I'm still actively working on different projects, I think the downtime is really getting to me and I feel like I'm not necessarily operating at my full capacity. And being kind to myself, taking that breath and really just saying, you're okay, you're doing the best you can in light of the circumstances is really an important point for me at the moment. Awesome. To be fair, I could have picked any of the 10. But for me, I'm really inspired to try meditation. I worked with someone once, a CEO, who practiced it maybe daily and really, really was a huge advocate. 
I've dabbled, but I'd really like to commit to incorporating that more into my life going forward. And Tara, to your point, I would love a little more comfort with being still. That would be amazing. Tara and David, thank you so much for this dialogue, for sharing your wisdom and your insights and your experience with us. It's such an important topic and we're so appreciative. Thank you. Mary, it really was my honor to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you all for listening. Let's keep working on the top 10 for resilience together. There's so much there. It's an ongoing opportunity for us. Let's keep it up. Take care of yourself, your loved ones, and each other. And we look forward to talking to you again very soon. You've been listening to Modern Career, an all-encompassing resource to help you on your path to career success. Head on over to modern-career.com subscribe to the show, learn more, and to discover supplemental resources like blog posts, career pointers, and more. Again, that all happens at modern-career.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Modern Career. Modern Career.